Hi, everybody. You're listening to Coffee Talk at the Castle with your host, Alyssa. Well, hey, you guys. Welcome to another episode of Coffee Talk at the Castle. This is your host, Alyssa. We are on episode 17 today talking about Disney passes. And specifically, again, we're going to stay in the Disneyland and Disney World type pass. But yeah, I'm excited to do this just because of all the news this week, of course, surrounding the actual news of Disneyland returning its annual passes, or I should say the Magic Key program, which is four different keys, all with selected blackout days except for the highest one, all with different options, kind of just switched up how the annual pass system is working for Disneyland. However, we still are waiting for some annual pass news for Disney World. I know there was supposed to be a little bit of news this month, but we haven't heard anything yet. They are expected to go on sale before the 50th anniversary, which is October 1, so Disney is running out of time. What I'm thinking happened is Disney was trying to see how the Magic Key program's week, first few days maybe even, went and how people were either purchasing or if they're holding back. I saw a lot of people purchase, but I also saw a lot of people who had annual passes not purchase and they're deciding to hold out on it. So I'd love to see the numbers. I'd love to see the projected numbers that Disney thought it got and thought it wanted to get and what they actually got. I'm not sure if we will see that or if it'll be during another quarterly meeting, but hopefully that would just be me being a nosy Nelly and very interested in seeing what those numbers and what the people, the customer turnout actually was to get the magic key. If you did get one, I'm excited for you. If you didn't, I understand somewhat. If you have your own reasoning, I respect either way. But yeah, it's just excited for people who wanted those to be back. They're able to do that. Get back into the Disneyland Resort. Of course, you do have to still use your reservation system over in Disneyland right now. I don't see that going anywhere. Neither do a lot of the Disney executives. They've all stated that is here for a while and we better get used to it. So on that note, let's go ahead and start diving into this episode about Disney Passes. So I know normally we start episodes out with the history of things, and of course I did bring my Disney history about annual passes with me along for this episode, but I just want to say on my own personal note here, and we'll kind of start there with my own experience about annual passes. I've been an annual pass holder for most of my childhood, and then um, some part of my adult life. Now once I got married, of course I had other priorities, we had bills to pay, But once we started to kind of, you know, be able to spend more money on Disney, of course, came the annual pass, which, of course, then COVID hit and put that all on pause as well. Now, we've been fortunate enough to still visit some Disney parks, Disney World, as well as Disneyland once they have opened back up. But we do definitely miss the perks and just the availability of being able to hop on over to the park and not really stress about it. However... The new program will definitely change it a little bit with the reservation dates. And, of course, park park hopping is still limited to after 1 p.m. or 2 p.m. in Disney World. So it is a little bit different now, and it can't be as spontaneous. But there are definitely still ways to be spontaneous-ish with the new Disneyland. Now, I'm interested to see what the Disney World passes look like. My husband and I are definitely looking at getting Disney World passes versus Disneyland passes. And I find that very interesting because we are in California and Disneyland is right in our backyard. So 
Um, I don't know if just the availability really swayed us during this past year of uh, COVID. We really did fall more in love with Disney World. I still love Disneyland. It's still nostalgic to me. It's still my local go-to park. However, Disneyland and Disney World are so different. And a lot of times you really can't compare the two because there are so many unique experiences at both. And they really are their own parks. So getting into that, um, growing up, we went to Disney World, but Disneyland a lot. So we had those annual passes. We had, I think most of the time it was the top tier. So we could go whenever we wanted. We got special advantages. Like I've said in past um, episodes, I have special stories about getting special preview things for being in Disney annual pass holder. Uh, For example, the preview for Disney's California Adventure before it opened up to the public. That was such a memorable experience for myself as well as my family. I know my sister told me, make sure you talk about that with this episode. But we got to stay at the Grand Californian, which in and of itself is always a special experience. It's just one of those just very warm, inviting hotels, and it's very luxurious. And to be able to either have a park view or a downtown Disney, which is a whole nother fun atmosphere view, or even just the pool view. It is, it's a great hotel to be in. It's very warm, cabin-esque like, beautiful during the holidays. But anyways, we got to stay there. And then we also got to do the preview days over at California Adventure. And I know I've said um, stories about having the fire alarm go off in one of the nights. But the other memory I have is, of course, the lines, which even though it was a preview day, the lines were still crazy long. I can't remember if it was four or six hours for Soaring Over California, but that ride was so new. The technology was unheard of. And it was one of those rides. Yes, we did wait in those lines. I remember sleeping on either my dad or sometimes on the ground because we were waiting But it was a really cool ride, and and there was nothing like it at the time. So having those memories, which I feel like has kind of changed nowadays, you don't get the opportunity to really wait in a new line. You have to wait for these virtual queues, which is a whole other topic. But yeah, just the nostalgia of being one of the first people there, being one of the first people to experience it, waiting in the line, the thrill of, oh my gosh, yes, it's so long, but oh, I can't believe. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see what is behind all this line, all this commotion, and is it really worth the hype? And yes, the line seemed ridiculous. However, back then, like I said, it was new technology. So yes, it really did live up to its hype. And another memorable experience with my annual pass was finally getting it back. Once I got married, like I said, taking a break from getting an annual pass, getting kind of used to married life, used to finances, and then being able to have our kids get an annual pass back again. And it was really one of those special moments to see Reagan when she got her annual pass and just the joy of being able to bring the girls to the park whenever we wanted and no strings attached. It was just kind of One of the beauties of having the annual park and our annual pass and going to the park whenever and being close enough to the park to just drive. And of course, if we got uh, annual passes for Disney World, we couldn't just drive there. We would have to take a little bit more planning, but we can still, you know, be flexible with the flight schedules. So, yeah, I think just 
The relaxedness of a Disney vacation when you have your annual pass. I've said this before, but it definitely takes the stress off of needing to accomplish everything in one day or two days. And, you know, you have the feeling of it's okay, it'll be back, which I know a lot of people say, well, you can come back even if you don't have your annual pass. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. But the beauty of having the annual pass is, yeah, you could technically plan X amount of trips, but more trips could come and you could end up finding magical moments on every single one of those trips. And again, the beauty of Disney is even the magical stuff isn't planned. So just because you plan out everything doesn't mean that everything is going to happen. And sometimes the bad does happen and it ends up becoming a good thing or a good experience. You know, I can't tell you how many times we've been rained out of things and then we end up experiencing something new or a fun story happened or a cast member experience that was just over the top happened. And I am so grateful for those experiences. And of course, having an annual pass brings me back to the park more than a regular park pass. But um, in that note, I just want to talk about really looking at the perks and the benefits of an AP versus what you can financially afford. I know right now with the Disneyland Pass, you can do the payments for the every month, but that's only if you're in California. And a lot of people, it might seem like a lot to shell out that much money just for the hope that, oh, well, it'll take care of our tickets for the rest of the year if we go again. Yes, I totally understand that logic, but if you can't financially do it or if it's a stretch, you should maybe reconsider buying tickets along the way or maybe even upgrading a ticket and thinking about it when you're there and upgrade that ticket because a lot of times you can get discount tickets and then, of course, upgrade those once you're at the park. Now, I know there are some exclusions. We've seen that recently, and we've also seen some gray areas too at Disneyland where they've upgraded some tickets and not the others and we're like what's going on but for the most part any normal ticket like your two-day your three-day or even longer tickets can be upgraded into the magic key as long as it's available Disney has said now going back to just the finances of things again I encourage you just to really think about if you're able to do it yourself in your family um, because, of course, there are other financial things that come along with an annual pass, like a hotel, transportation to get there, whether it's car or your airplane. You also have parking a lot of times. You have your food that you're going to eat there. Can't forget about the merch that we're going to have there because, you know, Disney snacks and merch are a whole nother category. And, of course, you can plan on how many things you're going to get, but sometimes it's a little bit different, especially if you have kids or you're just a kid yourself. <laughs> Things can change while you're inside the park. So really sit down, look at it instead of just, oh my gosh, the AP's back. I automatically have to buy it. At least I encourage you to look at it. No peer pressure. I'm just saying, hey, you know, a lot of stuff has happened in the last year and a half, almost two years. So just really see if you're able to do that. And it's okay not to rush into the AP system, even if you've had an AP for God knows how long. On that note, let's go ahead and move on to history. Now, today I am not going to talk about the Disney key, Disneyland Magic Key program a lot because there is so much on the internet right now. There is so much on Instagram. There is so much on TikTok. There is so much on the web. I mean, there's even stuff on the actual TV news. So on YouTube, actually, as well. If you want to get it, I feel like you can totally do that yourself. Easy, easy to, you know, find out all the cool 
things about it and not so cool things about it. But um, yeah, I'm just going to stick to the basics that there are four different levels, which isn't a new thing. It's just they kind of tweaked how discounts, blackout dates are, the perks of everything like we've talked about before. Now, let's go ahead and dive on into, that's right, the history. Time for a little bit of Disney history about Disneyland and Disney World passes. There is a lot, so we are just going to kind of spend our time on this and then go from there. So I want to forewarn you here. I might hop around a little bit in time. I know I hate it when somebody does that to me, but I will try to indicate when I have hopped to a different year or went backwards or flash forward. I will try to be clear. Again, try. But sometimes I get wrapped up in my own thoughts, so just bear with me. And I try not to edit these down too much. I try to just keep it like a one-on-one conversation with you. So what you're hearing is me just processing the information as I'm rereading it to you. So if a story pops in my head, I'm just going to go with it. So here we go. Now, the annual pass system that we know started back into the 80s. Of course, Disneyland's pass has been more popular, which has caused kind of the craziness that we've seen this year. Um, Some say because of the California population is so large and so many of the people that have annual passes are from California, It has caused that influx in Disneyland pass holders visiting the park so much. One of the numbers from 2019 is that Disneyland Resort, so that is both Disneyland and California Adventure, had had around 28.4 million visitors. Again, that's both parks in the year 2019, and they estimate around a million annual pass members for all the memberships that they had. Supposedly, half of that 28.4 million visitor number was all from pass holders from Disneyland. So, I mean, we're, we're pass holders for Disneyland Resort. So that means around 14.2 million visitors just came from those million annual pass members. That is insane. And even with some of the blackout dates that they were having, even I know they had um, the, what is it, the Flex Pass, and then they had the lower ones, which a lot of those had blackout dates on weekends or uh, busy summer dates, anything like that, holidays. They still had so many people coming to the parks that were members. And I really got a lot of hate on this, which I really don't like when I was researching. It, it kind of bumped me out. There were some people, some articles that compared Disneyland and California Adventures to a mall, to just kind of like a hangout area. And this kind of hits me hard because I'm also a Dodger fan and I get crap all the time about how Dodger fans are just there for a good time for a Saturday night or a Friday night and they don't even show up on time and sometimes they'll leave before the game's over. And I'm like, you know what? I want my baseball game to be a good time. I want it to be a fun time. So I don't necessarily consider that an insult. Where the insult is, is it's not just a mall. Disneyland California Adventure is not just a hangout area. There is so much more to it. And I'm sorry, if it was anything like a mall, I would not be there. And I love, okay, not throwing shame, but also kind of throwing Knott's Berry Farm. Let's just call that what it is. It is definitely not Disneyland. And you know what? You can still have a great time there, but I feel like that is more classified as a hangout mall area. You're not going to sp- spend this much money on Disneyland and California Adventure just to quote unquote hang out there. There's other places you go to. You go to Disney because of the experience you have, because of the food, because of the smell, because of the noise, because of the ambiance, because of the character, because of the cast members. There's so much more that makes up for this amazing experience than just 
hanging out like at a mall. Okay. But calming down after that. So yes, because of the huge amount of uh, the memberships, members just visiting Disneyland all the time, they say that that was one of the main reasons for reducing the pass availability going forward and how the annual pass system had to get overhauled. So yes, I understand it logistically. However, we were still spending money, even though supposedly we weren't spending enough. So I don't know what enough is for Disney, but let's go ahead and move on from that topic before I just go spiraling again. So now we changed from a ticket book to completely just gate price admissions in 82. So before that, you had admission fees, but they were very minimal. And then you had your ticket books that were like the um, A ticket, B ticket, C ticket, D ticket, E ticket. And of course, it goes from very much not so exciting ride, starting with an A, like very basic, not even really a ride, to E ticket rides, which were your very fast, very basically your long lines. So equivalent today that would probably fall into your e-ticket ride would be like your test track, your Snow White um, mine train, your Space Mountain, Thunder Mountain, um, let's see, Incredicoaster, Mission Space, and probably all the Star Wars. I mean, all the, you know, the web uh, web slingers, all, all the new exciting rides, the rides that have, at, you know, when we were full capacity, we're easily over an hour. I mean, to be honest, Elsa might even fall under that just due to popularity. But anyways, so they switched to just having a minimal admission and having the book for the tickets to just the admission price. Now, why they did this, I'm sure it was an easier way to make money. They saw that some people were just paying the small admission price just to go into the park and be there with the rest of the family. And they saw the idea that they could make more by charging more for admission instead of individual tickets for the rides. So this, of course, led to the first annual pass over at Disney World. And of course, that was only for Magic Kingdom and Epcot because that's all they had at that point. So the adults, which were 18 and over, were $100 a ticket. Juniors, which was 12 to 18, were 93. And then the kids, 3 to 11, were $80. Disneyland offered similar passes the following June, which was 83. And very close after, they went ahead and pulled the junior price. So that's going to be going back to your now what you know as basically adults and kids. Of course, in the key, there is no kids. It's all the same price, but it was, again, 3 to 12 for your kids, and then anything over 12 were your adult passes. Now, soon after Disney World had added the park, um, the first water park, which was River Country, which was a perk of $30 additional to have the annual pass perk of that. And then the following year, they had the River Country and Discovery Island, which was a $45 add-on the following year. And then moving on to 89, you had the addition of the MGM Studios, Typhoon Lagoon, and of course, Pleasure Island, which all created more price increases. And as we can see historically, anytime there's a new park and a new addition, basically anytime there's any change whatsoever, including the year, Disney will raise prices. Now, whether it's just due to inflation, whether it's due to construction costs for the new additions, whether it's due to planned additions that they're trying to pay for ahead of time, Disney has a rhyme or reason for it. And bottom line, they're going to make up their dollar 
somewhere, whether it's in the past, the ticket, the food, the merch, it's going somewhere. That's what it's doing. So anyways, during this 89 time, like the late 80s, early 90s, is when they introduced the Florida Residence Pass. And again, we're talking about Disney World right here. So um, that was for three seasons. And I know I haven't talked too much about how the price increases have happened. And I'll try to share some graphs and charts and all that good mathematical goodiness um, on the Instagram page. But um, bringing us up closer to current time, by 2000, um, the base price of the cheapest pass for Disney World was over at um, $300 starting price. And then going even closer to current day in 2010 was when the pass the Premier Pass was introduced. Now, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about with the Premier Pass, this is the Fancy Pass. Now, it is not as fancy as the Golden Pass, which I will explain very shortly, but this Premier Pass is pretty much like gold in the fact that it could get you both on the West Coast and East Coast Disney parks, and there was no blackout dates. It was one of those, like, um, you know, really big flexes for those Disney goers, um, in 2020, the price right before COVID, um, because obviously they stopped selling it, is two was $2,099. And again, that got you into both East and West Coast parks. And it got you into all of the actual parks. So all for the parks at Disney World, as well as the two parks over in Disneyland. Again, no blackout dates. It was really one of the cream of the crop. Now, like I said, going into this golden pass. No, I am not talking about the gold pass for the levels of regular passes. No, I am talking about the golden pass. First, I'm going to explain what the actual golden pass is because I know a lot of people are like, oh, I think I've heard about this. And I bet you, you may have heard whispers of it. So the golden pass is a pass that is literally gold, Disney gold. It gets you into almost every single park except for the Tokyo Disney. Now, there is a caveat to that when I'll get into it. But yes, it gets you into all the Disney parks except for Tokyo Disney, except for a few people with exclusions to this. The first Golden Pass, of course, was a, uh, given and awarded to Disney's first paying guest, Dave McPherson, over in 1955. Again, this is the first person who entered in to Disneyland as a paying customer, a paying guest. Now, through the years, this Golden Pass has been given to Disneyland legends, dignitaries, politicians, special members of the board. A lot of times it allows X amount of guests with it. Some passes I've seen allows, I think, five or six other family members along with the passes. Now, a few specialty awarded passes have been to A, two babies born in February of 2008 during the Year of the Rat, which was a promo over in Hong Kong, and it was part of a Disneyland Hong Kong, or I should say Hong Kong Disneyland promo. And um, that one was given, of course, like the traditional Golden Pass rules to every. Uh, you can get into any park except for Tokyo. Now, the rule about this is because Tokyo is not owned by Disney. In fact, it is owned by the Oriental Land Company. So what I was saying earlier about the caveat, there are a few golden passes that you can get into any one of the parks. Now, this specific one was given to the second billionth Disney guest. Now, the reason why there was this caveat is because the number of guests, the two billionth number, 
included both Tokyo Disney and Tokyo Disney Sea. So they were able to be a part of that promotion, thus far being the Golden Pass is now accepted over there for that particular issuance. Now, I don't know all the other rules of this pass. I don't know if it can be revoked. I'm sure Disney can do whatever it is they want to do because it's not cash and it's basically a rewarded thing. So rewards can be taken away. However, there's not too much on this Golden Pass. It is, again, a lot of people think it's a um, rumor, a legend. There's not many people who have claimed the fact that they've gotten a Golden Pass. Some celebrities say they've gotten it, but all the also, a lot of people have said, oh, it's just because you're a celeb, they'll just let you in. It's not because you've been awarded the Golden Pass. So, yes, that is literally, like I said, Disney Gold. And that would be the dream to be issued it and not have to worry about payment for any Disney park and just be able to fly wherever and be able to explore any Disney park of our choosing at any time. So I also wanted to take this opportunity, or I should say this episode, to talk about a lesser known pass or club or membership. Now, I say lesser known because it's definitely started to fizzle out. This club started to rebrand itself and completely fizzle away its membership in 2000 and then ended up rebranding and then fizzled out a few years after that. And if you know what I'm talking about, it is the Magic Kingdom Club or MKC. This actually started in 58, so really fast after Disneyland opened. And uh, there are some news that say it started in 57, but we'll just say late 50s. It was involving the companies and the organizations that were right around Disneyland or which later become Disney World as well. And it was a way for those companies to give discounts to employees as well as any military people. So this was almost like a club, I would say, like a discount club. So think about like AAA, but for Disney. And um, this had tons of different things like vacation packages, airline discounts, hotel discounts, even senior discounts for those programs. So it was kind of like an all-in-one spot. Great to be a part of it. Um, In fact, it was such a popular thing Disney did that over 300,000 companies participated, which meant over 6 million members, which is crazy to me. We were just talking about the 1 million for the annual passes for Disneyland. Come to think that this was a huge program for 6 million. I, yeah, So this club, like I said, fizzled out in 2000. It actually rebranded itself to the Disney Club, but then a few years later ended up closing. And uh, you can see perks of this kind of sprinkled throughout different systems. I know a lot of people will be like, oh, so it's like, you know, Costco or Sam's Club with a Disney package. And it's like, yes and no. It had way more discounts, way more benefits. So it's kind of like being a DVC member or Disney Vacation Club member. Annual pass, Disney credit card, and a resident deal all wrapped in one crazy good membership program that your company was part of. So, yeah, I couldn't, like I said, I couldn't not take this opportunity to talk about this cool club, literal club to be a part of. I mean, who wouldn't want to be part of a club called the Magic Kingdom Club? So, yeah, there's that one. And on that note, the beauty of being part of a Disney club is you don't necessarily have to be part of a physical club. You don't have to be an AP. You don't have to be a Disney vacation club owner. You don't have to have a Disney credit card. You can just be there. You can just be somebody who loves Disney. I think that's the great thing about building these relationships, whether it's in person, social media, in the parks, just the fact of you are enjoying Disney. You're an adult enjoying Disney. You're a family enjoying Disney. 
and soaking in all the magic, soaking in all the memories. It's the beauty of Disney. And again, pulling back to what I said, it's the experience of Disney. It's so much more than just a hangout. And it's so much more than just going to the mall. And with that being said, I want to thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. I really appreciate your support and all your encouraging words. I love hearing how this brings joy to your face and joy to your day during a not so fun day or not so fun week. So with that being said, I hope your week goes smoothly and enjoyably and have a great rest of your day. Bye.